first of all, just a, a little reminder that we're still in noble silence. And uh, I apologize if I've, I've occasionally been speaking out there in the quiet zones, so don't take that as an indication. That's just my uh, bad discipline. <coughs> so we keep noble silence and really make best use of these you know, last hours of the retreat. It's this very precious time. So we've been reading poems from uh, Maddie's book and I, I just want to read one more and speak a little bit from this. <coughs> so this is the poem of Chapa, the archer, Chapa Bikuni. Ah <coughs> oh, no, sorry, it's actually not. No, it's actually Rohini, excuse me. It's Rohini, wandering star. You don't become the cloth just because you put on robes. You don't turn into empty space just because you carry a bowl. The sun doesn't bow down. Trees don't throw flowers at your feet. Birds don't start answering when you call. The path will hold even the biggest mistakes. The path will make room for even your deepest regrets. But you don't become the cloth of the robe overnight. It can begin very quietly, something you barely even notice, like the touch of water on your skin, like a knife in a drawer, like the next five minutes unless they're your last. The path isn't a line on a map. It is a great shining world. Enter wherever you like. You might get thrown back once or twice, but if you push through the outer layers, oh, my sisters, then you will know the true welcome that is the very essence of the path. So we, you know, we, most of us begin the path, begin on this path of awakening with, uh, you know, being aware of all of our struggles and our flaws and our weaknesses and a strength or two here and there. And then uh, we maybe look at someone else, you know, somebody sitting on the stage or somebody... Uh, you know, in a magazine or somebody on the on the screen, and we think, oh, you know, they they've really got somewhere. They can uh, they 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 maybe hold uh, an image of potential for us, and then we go, oh, but I can never do that. I'm too far away from this uh, this this potential to awakening. You know, it's not gonna. I won't even think about that because I'm I'm much too far from that. So maybe I'll just leave it up to those other people. Maybe those nuns on the stage, they can do it. And I'll just, uh, you know, do a little bit of meditation maybe a few times a week and, and not even think about that. But the path is really for all of us. 
And the the Buddha very clearly um, pointed to everyone's potential to awaken. And uh, so those those uh, those voices that we hear that say it's wonderful, but I can't, not for me. Really, uh, question those because these these uh, factors of awakening, these simple practices, are not that far from our reach. In fact, they may be right here. Sati. Sati. Awareness. Presence. Is that far away? And then we, we, we identify with what we're present with. You know, we, maybe we bring presence to our experience and we see the hindrances. And then we think, oh, look, and then we identify with those hindrances. And then again, oh, the story's reinforced. Not me, I can't, I can never do this. It's for other people who are somehow different to me, better than me, more special. But the path is for all of us. And when we know a hindrance is a hindrance, it's no longer going to hold us back in the same way. It becomes a, an opportunity to understand the Dharma and to understand the, the conditioning of this being. We all have conditioning through our culture, through our family, through our ancestral lineages and uh, getting to know conditioning as conditioning. It's just that. And a lot of it, you know, all of it can be known. Some things can be transformed. Some things need to be embraced. And uh, trusting that if we, if we meet this path little by little, moment by moment, things do start to transform. And I think, you know, we can make the mistake of looking at some distant goal. As, like if you're on a, on a long journey and you're heading for that mountain or that, that uh, building on a mountain far away. So I was recently very fortunate to be able to go to Bhutan. And uh, Bhutan's a, it's kind of a, there's a, it's a Himalayan kingdom, Buddhist kingdom, with a very amazing uh, royalty who are very, interested in the welfare of the people and all sentient beings in Bhutan, actually. And um, we would be taken on these hikes and we'd start down in the valley. So there's, there's a big valley and it's surrounded by mountains. And we'd start on a hike and, and our guides, who were like super fit and full of energy, would say, they would point to a, a really far away distant building up on a mountain. And we'd be on the, like a valley here and there'd be a mountain and then another mountain and a little <laughs> building up there. And they'd say, that's where we're going to have lunch. I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> I'd be like, never going to do it, you know. <laughs> and then you take a step, and you take another step, and you take another step. And maybe you have a stick, or maybe two sticks if you need them. Two canes, you know. And then uh, step by step, you get closer. You get to the top of the one mountain, and then you realize, oh, well, I've got to go down this one and up the next one. <laughs> Maybe we're never going to make it. And then you just keep going. You keep going, step by step. And then, amazingly, there we were. 
at the place where we were going to have lunch and there were the people with our delicious lunch cooked. And so uh, it's kind of like that. The path is kind of like that. We look and we think, oh, I'm never going to do that. Or even we don't even think, it, you know, like if the guide hadn't have said, we're going to go up there, it wouldn't have even occurred to me to go there. I'd just stay down in the valley and look, you know. <laughs> But because somebody's saying, no, this is where we're going, come on, and this is the path, and don't go that way, go this way, then you kind of start, you know, with a little bit of faith and a little bit of, you know, fit enough, not super fit, this one, but fit enough, you know, <coughs> to, uh, to take the risk. And uh, it does take that faith and, and a bit of... Uh, Curiosity and and um, and the energy—it's those those factors again, sati and dhammavichaya and virya, and the willingness to just try it. So the beauty of this path is many have gone before, many have realised awakening, and it's true that you know there aren't. It's not so easy to find people these days. You know they're not like in the Buddha's time. It seemed like there were loads of enlightened beings hundreds of enlightened people so and the Buddha so it was a really good time to be alive and now we don't have the Buddha around and it's harder to find those enlightened people you hear about people here and there but there are um, certainly people on the stages to enlightenment so there's the stream enterer the once returner the non-returner and the arahant the enlightened ones and uh, I think it's very likely that there are quite a few people who have, have realised that first level of awakening, stream entry, where there's where you're still working with the greed and the hatred, and there's still some delusion there, but you're destined for awakening. So, if not this lifetime, then sometime in the next few lifetimes, awakening will be realised. <coughs> And, and, they, and these people have seen the truth clearly enough to not fall back into behaviours that will will pull them down into the the darker places. And so, you know, I, I feel pretty confident that there are those people around, and probably even around on the west coast or in, in the US and and places in in the, the in the world. And you know, I've been fortunate to meet a few great masters. I think the one that everybody knows is the Dalai Lama. So I've been fortunate enough to sort of sit close to the Dalai Lama while he gives teachings. And because uh, in in t in the, when the Dalai Lama gives teachings, the, the monastics sit on the stage because they don't take it. Then we don't take up the seats that can be you know people can people can buy their seats and then we take use the stage you know, next to the Dalai Lama so we can get a free spot. And uh, and it's quite it's quite something just to sit close to somebody like that and, and watch them, watch him in his energy, his playfulness, his brightness, his clarity, presence. It's like, wow. And uh, I, I, I've been to a few of his teachings and some of them are very, very highly intellectual, which I'm not highly intellectual, so I was sort of struggling with it with the actual teachings. And then I went to one uh, in England. It was like an open, you know, like a public event. And, uh, and he came in and he was talking about compassion. And, 
And what really struck me, I don't even remember particularly clearly the words that he said, but what really struck me was his complete ease, his complete okayness with himself in that moment, being there in front of maybe a thousand people. It was just, he was just like being at home with his family, you know. And uh, humble and mischievous and playful and relaxed. And I felt like, mm hmm, that's really, really attractive. And that feels real. And also, I often speak about Vero Mahagosananda, who's uh, the great inspiration of my life, really, who I met three times. <coughs> and he was almost certainly uh, either, uh, he was very far on the path of awakening, so he was either fully awakened or the stage before that. And uh, completely free of any wanting and not wanting. Just very, very beautiful. And, you know, it's, it, we, because we don't see people who are living from that place very often, it's hard to know, it's hard to imagine how that is. But when you meet someone who is actually just always responding from presence, interest, curiosity, compassion, clarity, and, and who's basically operating from a, a wish for others to be, to be free, you know, to see their own delusion and to be free of that delusion. Uh, it's, it's like, it kind of blows your mind, it blows your heart open, because it's not like anything we've ever seen. And uh, it's definitely, you know, I know people who are kind and who are generous and who are, you know, who have a lot of very beautiful qualities, and that's inspiring. But then when you see someone who's just like cleaned out greed and hatred, it's just not in there. It's kind of mind-blowing. Very, very beautiful. And that, uh, for me, it's like it showed me, ah, you know, who knows how long it's going to take for this one to get to that place. Still a lot of greed, still some hatred, you know. But uh, I know that it is possible because I've been in the presence of someone who lives there, lives from that place. So it can be very, very uh, inspiring and uh, clarifying. And um, one of the sweet things that I, I experienced with Venerable Mahagasanda was his, his sense of humor around the things that we get stuck on. So I'm a, I'm a greed type by nature. And um, when I, th I think the second time that I met him, he came to Chithurst Monastery, where I was living, and <coughs> I had this, uh, I used to work really, really hard when I was a young nun, I was in, in, became a nun in my 20s, and I had a lot of energy, and I needed to use it, so I used to do a lot of hard physical work, and, and, um, and then I would eat a lot, because I'd be working a lot, we'd, work in the, we'd often work in the morning in the kitchen, and then do hard graft in the afternoon, and um, so I would eat a lot, because I'd be working a lot, and and because I was greedy. And uh, so I had this kind of pattern of eating, you know, like a quite a large meal out of the arms bowl, you know, they're quite big, those bowls. And, uh, and, then, and then there would be, uh, quite often there'd be these, these little pots of yogurt. And, and so I would, I would have like plenty of food, and then I would take often two pots of yogurt, and I'd have those at the end, you know. And that was kind of a bit of a rhythm for me. And then this one time he'd come, he just sort of turned up at the monastery and he was in the, you know, he, we were all together, he was eating in the same room and, and pretty much everyone had left and they had finished their eating. There was just me and this one other 
woman who who was very skinny and ate slowly and and him and we were we were you know everyone else had f- eaten finished and then there was just me like chomping away and I thought I'm not going to do it different just because he's looking you know so I'm chomping away chomping away and then and, and then it's like there's my one pot of yogurt and it's like well, there's the other one <laughs> and uh I was kind of renewed, like, this is, you know, this is kind of crazy. Like, you don't need all this. But I was like, well, I'm not going to do it different just because he's looking. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and then when I looked up, he was just looking at me with so much humour and so much compassion. <laughs> it was sweet. It was, like, it was just like incredible compassion for my foolishness and humour. And that was, just touched me very deeply. And, and then the next day, he gave this teaching on uh, sense, sense desire, sensual <laughs> desire. <laughs> And uh, while he was giving that teaching, something kind of remarkable happened. <coughs> so there was this, this cooling. So he was giving this teaching as he was speaking. This, this cooling happened in my mind. And uh, I was sitting there and I had a, just like here, I had a, had a cup of hot red sweet tea here. And, and it, like usual, I've been working hard all afternoon and I was just wanting my cup of tea. And uh, there's a, the tradition goes that uh, the uh, sort of etiquette is in a monastery, if you, somebody's teaching the Dharma, you don't eat or drink while somebody's teaching the Dharma, you put everything down and you just listen, you give your whole attention to what they're saying. And so he's, you know, so I, I, if I've been working hard, I, I get up a little bit late into the room and then I get my cup of tea, which is the only thing you're going to have, you know, that day, for the rest of the day, a cup of tea with a bit of sugar in it. And then he started talking and uh, and so I had to put my tea down, and it's like I really need that cup of tea. But I can, and I was sitting right in front of him, so I couldn't just like take the sneaky sips or anything. And so I just had to put it down, and I was wanting to drink that tea. And he was talking about sense desire, and uh, and then as he was talking, he, he was looking at me and smiling again, and this kind of you know like amused by my foolishness and. Um, and as he was talking, my mind just started to get cool. It was as though he was giving this transmission just for that little moment. My mind started to get cool. And that cup of red sweet tea was, just became water element. I looked at it and all I could see was just, it's just water element. And red and sweet and hot, they were all kind of irrelevant. And there was just water element. And I was like, oh, how could I have been fooled by that? And then, uh, you know, he finished his talk, I got to drink my water element. <laughs> and then the next day, that, that's, that coolness of mine just carried on for a little bit longer. And, and uh, <coughs> got to the meal, which was always kind of, you know, exciting for me. And got to the meal and then had my food in my bowl and came back and looked at it. And it's like earth element. And I couldn't see anything else. There was just earth element in there. Earth element feeding earth element. That's all that's going on. Water element, nourishing water element, external, internal, that was all there was. And just for that little time, it's like he gave me a little glimpse into peacefulness. And, um, and then, of course, you know, the old greed came back, and I'm like, mm, this, that, and the other, which is still with me. So this, you know, it still, still comes up strong. So, you know, from time to time, we get, uh, it's almost like we can borrow from somebody. Uh, it's almost like borrowing his glasses, you know, I could see the world through his eyes for a few moments, for a few hours. And then, uh, and then we have to carry on with the work. And, 
it's a little bit like the guide saying we're going to have lunch up there and I knew that he'd been up there many times and then and then like okay so you know it's possible but then you've got to do the work you've got to take the steps you've got to you've got to do the uh, the humble work really of of uh, meeting the the greed the confusion the uh, aversion that that likes to reside here in all of us and uh, I really love that the Buddha <coughs> so clearly pointed out the hindrances as hindrances and and not saying you know you're a you're a this per- you know you're a bad person because you have greed or you're a bad person because you have hatred or you're a, an idiot because you have confusion but more like get to know these because these are these are they're like they're like they've moved in, you know, but they're not who you are. And Ajahn Shah had a lovely simile that he would say, uh, when you practice, it's as though you're in a in a so like he would live in he lived in a little hut, you know, he'd have a, like a one room kuti, it's called in the forest. So he'd say, it'd be as though you're in your one room and it's only got one seat, and that seat's your seat. And that room has got it's got uh, two doors, you know. And uh, you're, if you're sitting in your seat, all of these different characters are going to come in. <coughs> You'll get all kinds of characters coming into your into your heart, into your room, and uh, and they might, you know, they, it might be like people giving you a hard time, or trying to seduce you, or or um, being aggressive, or telling you you're you're useless, or trying to get you interested in things that are just completely pointless, you know, they, there'll be all of these different characters coming in. And as long as you're sitting in your seat, they've, they've got nowhere to sit down, so after a while they're just going to go away. But if you get out of your seat, which is losing mindfulness, then they're going to sit down, make themselves at home, and they'll say, this is my place, you know. So that's kind of what happens when we forget that a hindrance is just a hindrance, it's like a, a passing guest an often unwelcome guest. So this, uh, so to remember to take your seat, take your seat of sati, take your seat of presence. It's right here, it's right where you are. And then when we take our seat, we can endure all of those, uh, you know, all of the, all of the thoughts and moods and feelings that assail us. And sooner or later they go away. And even if it's just for a while, they go away and we can just sit there and relax in our seat, in our space. And, you know, feel what it feels like. Right now, what does it feel like to fully take your seat? And the Buddha says that everything we need to awaken is right here in this fathom-long body, in this body. So if we're here in our seat, in our body, knowing what's going on here, everything we need for awakening is right here. That's a pretty amazing statement. So, uh, you know, this retreat is a an opportunity for us to find that seat to remember how it feels to fully occupy our own our own place 
And, you know, as we look around, you can see that everyone is different. Everybody is different. And so you need to occupy it in your way. It needs to look the way it looks when you're here, which maybe is different to how it looks for somebody else. So getting to know, you know, what what is it here that... What is it? What are what are the strengths? What are the what are the places that pull you off? What is the potential? How far away is that seat right now? So I'd like to invite you to just rest back into your seat. Feel the ground beneath you. Feel the space around you and touch into that potential which is kind of our legacy, our inheritance from the Buddha.
So we have the morning yoga session now and uh, practice discussions for those who have signed up, so I hope you've all looked. And walking meditation for those who'd like to walk. And if you if you feel you'd like to just stay sitting a bit longer, you can also do that if you're not doing yoga or one of the practice discussions. And then come back for the sit at uh, 10.30. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.